your neighbor and say, I'm glad I came to church today. Then you can be seated. Great to see everybody this morning. I, um, I uh, normally we have, you know, we do these series and I plan the series on, on baggage, um, how to get rid of extra baggage in your life, you know, probably a couple, two, three, four months ago. And, and uh, in the series, we're, we're going to discuss money today. It was the last in the series called money, but, but I, I, I kind of changed my direction today. So we're, we're not going to talk about money today. So you're welcome. So... <laughs> Uh, I really felt impressed this week. It's just overwhelming um, to talk to the men today. And um, I, I know Father's Day can conjure up a lot of stuff. Um, um, and, and I, I want to let you know that, um, th- that I'm not here to, to beat you up this morning or, or to use Father's Day to, to leverage a way to take a, ch- a cheap shot at, at you men today. And I, I don't want to do that. I'm not here to add more condemn, condemnation to your life. I realize Father's Day is, is, is hard for many of you. Many of you did not have good examples of what a father should be. Many of you struggled through your lives uh, not having a dad who was, who was present. Or if your father was present, you were constantly trying to live up to his expectations, wanting and longing your dad just to say how proud he was of you. Um, some of you here never even had a dad whoever said that he loved you. Um, I'm not here to bash your father either to make you angrier. Um, But my hope for you today is that God wants you to be the man of God that he's called you to be. Um, And not simply going through the motions and playing church. That you have the ability to change your lives and live according to God's will. That your past doesn't dictate your future that God shows us in his word what he desires a godly man to be. And we just, we just live in a world today where we're just messed up. And, and that role of a dad today is either, is, is either mocked or portrayed in such a mocking way that it's very hard to look at really what, what is a man and, and, and what is more than that, what is a, what is a man of God? And, and this has just been so impressed on my heart this week to really look into the scriptures and say, what does God see as, as a man, as a man of God, as a husband, as a father, um, as, a, as a single man? What, what, is, what is God's desire for you today? Um, I remember I was doing a, a membership class years ago and there was, a, there was a, a single woman who was joining our church and, and we would go around the class and we would just ask people, what, what are your first impressions of living word and what, what drew you to the church and how did you come this way? And, and um, you know, what are you learning about God or whatever? Just a real nice time. And this, this one woman, part of our church, been part of our church for many, many years, but she said this, she goes, you know, the one thing I really like about living word, she goes, I like the men of living word. I said, do you need a husband? We could find you one. We could do that for you. Um, you know, and that's not what she meant. She goes, what I like is that I like that I see that men are leading she said, that's, that's unique. She goes, I like seeing that. What an what a interesting look at our church. I've never heard someone make that comment before. And, 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 and I believe that um, as men of God, we need to lead, but lead correctly. And I know we all have an idea of what a man is. And we see our society, what they portray as, as what they think a man is. But let me tell you this. A man is not someone who can knock down a three-point shot. 
A man is not someone who thinks that he's or is stronger than someone else. A man is not someone who can score with the ladies who's Rico Suave. That's not, it's not a man. A man is not someone who's accumulated a bunch of stuff in, in his life to be able to show it off. A man is not someone that can shoot a gun or hunt or catch fish or hit a golf ball 300 yards. I added the last one in there because I can't do that. So, Do you know what I'm saying? See, these are the things that we lift up. These are the things that, that we epitomize in our society. We look to and we elevate and we, um, we look to be like that. But what I want to look at this morning, guys, is this. What is going on in your soul? Not what you've accomplished, not how, how many bucks you've bagged or how big a bass you catch. And I'm speaking to myself right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, what is going on with your soul? What's going on with your family? What's going on with your marriage? These are the things that God truly cares about. Not that those other things are bad in themselves, but what's going on in our souls and and, and I came up with this de definition of what, what a man of God is. This is my definition, but let me tell you what I think a man of God is. It's this. A man of God is one who has laid his life down in order for Christ to pick it back up again and become an instrument of God. A man of God is, is one who serves for the sake of Christ out of the tremendous grace that has been poured out on him. And I think when we look at the word of God, what we have to go to is Jesus himself because I believe G Jesus epitomizes that servant leader. I love what Matthew 20, 28 says. It says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was the servant leader. He led by example and not just words, because I want to follow someone who's living it, not just saying it. And, and, and Jesus' leadership epitomized this, this life of a sacrifice. It, it cost him something. It cost him his very life. And I believe, men, listen, in order to lead well, it's going to cost you something. It's not about leading with a heavy hand, but it's leading by Christ's example. It's not by saying I'm the man and I'm the ruler and it's this employer-employee relationship because what we see in many relationships with husband and wife, it's this, it's this heavy-handed servant thing that you serve me and, and I lead, but I lead with a heavy hand. That's not the example we get from Christ. And I want us to lead the way Christ desires us to lead and, and to look into our hearts and our lives and say, God, is there... Something that is out of kilter in my life that I'm not leading the way you desire me to lead. I love this passage in the Old Testament. Um, Joshua has been given this tremendous task from Moses to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And um, he leads them into the promised land. He's a faithful leader. He's driving the enemy out before them. And when he was 110 years old, he gives this address at the end of his life to the Israelites. And he basically tells them, listen, God has led us through a lot. He's been faithful to us. And now you finally arrived. You're here. You're in the promised land. And this is what he tells them. He tells them something very important. And I think these are words to live by that will literally radically transform 
your family, your marriage, your life, if you live by these words. And this is what Joshua said. He kind of lays the gauntlet down. He says, listen, if if you're going to live out this promise and this thing that God has given us, this is what you have to do. Joshua 24, 15 records it for us. It says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors who serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, listen, um, we're going to do this. We're going to serve the Lord. What you choose is what you choose. Here's someone at the end of his life telling them, this is what I'm still going to do. I'm going to finish the race well. I've looked back. Joshua wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. But I'm going to look back and I'm going to look forward with a few days that God has given me. And in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua made a choice and it wasn't easy. Now, let me say something, guys. The choice to serve Christ is easy. What makes it very difficult is that I have to obey him. The choice to do right things is not hard. What makes it hard is that I have to actually follow through and obey it. Joshua made a choice. It was a sacrifice for him and his family. And if it's not a sacrifice, we would never see the benefits. And I believe the reason why we don't see the benefits of Christ is for the simple reason is we compromise. We want a little bit of church, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of this world. And let me just say something, guys. It doesn't work. You will sacrifice one for the other. And Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve one or the other. Don't monkey around in the middle. It just doesn't work. And so what I, what I want to do is I've, I've, I've gone through the word of God. And I, I, I want to look at what are, the, what are the characteristics of this servant leader? And listen, if, if Jesus was expecting all of us to be perfect, we would be instant failures in a moment. But I believe that through God's Holy Spirit and through the example that we have in Christ, we have the ability to live in God's will. We have the ability to know what God desires for us, to be the men of God that he's called us to be. And I want to give you six things this morning on the characteristics of a servant leader. I mean, there's a million books on leadership, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about servant leadership that runs after the heart of God that runs after the heart of your wife, that runs after the heart of your kids, says, God, this is what I want to see in them. Now, let, let me just say this. Some of you parents, you're saying, Pastor, that water, that, that, that water has gone under the bridge and you know, I'm praying for my kids, but they're older now and they're, they're not serving the Lord. Let me just say this to you. Never stop praying for them. You keep the doors open to them. You keep praying for them. You keep loving on them. You keep, you, you keep the access in their life available and don't stop praying for them. And listen, for you and I, it's so easy for us to get caught up in our jobs and our success and what we're doing. And I want to be the best at this, this, and the other. And, and, and we have boldness in that. But for some reason, we've dropped the ball in being bold spiritually somewhere down the line. When we have to pray with our spouse or pray out loud or pray with our kids, all of a sudden we get this timidity in our spirit. And God says, man, I want you to be bold. This is where I need you to be bold. This is where I need you to step up. And so I want to look at these things. Well, what are these characteristics of a servant leader, a man of God that's chasing God's hearts? Well, first of all, he's a servant. 
And I love what Matthew says here in Matthew 23, 11. He says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about our ranger program. And these were, on Wednesday night, we ministered to, 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 to young children in our church, the young boys. And, you know, they take them camping. We teach them the word of God. They, they learn a lot of cool stuff in there. And I was thinking about the leaders and the rangers. It's kind of unique that almost all of our leaders have no boys that are actually in the program. Um, our leader, Todd Pursuit, does a great job, humble guy. Um, he has two grown-up girls leading those young boys. Um, I was thinking of Jack Emmon. His, he led our ranger group for years, for years. All his kids are grown up, and he's there on Wednesday night. I think of Dave Gregory. All his kids are grown up, and he's helping the boys on Wednesday night. I think of John Whitman. He has two young girls, um, and he's back there on Wednesday night helping the boys. I think of one guy who's come on board the last couple of years, Carl Snook. He has all young kids. And I mean, you know, with you with young kids, you don't know if you're coming or going. I'm just here. Let me help, right? And I appreciate these men um, because they're serving these young boys. And how many know these young boys need a godly leader to be an example before them? Um, so many of our kids that come here on Wednesday nights, come from very difficult backgrounds, very broken homes. We've got kids that come on Wednesday night that are confused about their gender. They're, they're confused about life. Um, we have a young, young boy that just, he won't stay for youth group, but I see him walking up the driveway of our church on the weekday to talk to Pastor Jim because he feels safe with him. That's who we have living around our neighborhoods. They're confused. They don't have a godly example of a father. And they're looking for answers. We need godly men to step up and say, hey, I'm willing to, to pour some of my life into these young boys that, that, that need a godly example. Someone that's going to pray for them. Someone that's going to lay their hand on their head and say, you know what, I'm going to bless this, this boy. And ask God to touch their life. We've got to step up in this role of servanthood. The second thing that I see in a, in a godly man, this servant attitude that the servant leader is that is that they're teachable not a know-it-all that they, they, they learn from people willing to admit when they're wrong proverbs nineteen twenty says listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future and i want you to understand this you never stop growing we never stop growing under the word we need to submit ourselves under the authority of the word you need to be reading the word of God yourself and submitting to it, not just listening to it, but actually submitting to it and allowing God to penetrate your heart and to speak to you in areas that he needs to speak to you in. I think it's so important that we never get to the place in our lives where we think, I just know it all. And when you submit yourself, whether it's on a a Sunday morning where you're coming to church and you're listening to God's word or it's a Bible study or it's just listening to the word yourself. I have like six different pastors that I listen to on my podcast that I have podcast because I need to sit under the word because there's times that they will speak something that will just speak to my heart in areas that, that I need to grow in. And we need, when we submit ourselves under God's word, what we're saying is, is, is God, I'm submitting my life under you. I want your hand upon me. I want to be a, a man that's chasing after what you desire for me, for your will, that I might be that man of God that you desire to me, to, for me to be. And that's having that teachable, humble spirit that listens to the voice of God. 
The third thing I want you to see here for a godly man, a man that's chasing after God's own heart, is one that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this in, in the book of Acts. They're looking for help within the church. The church is getting established. They have different needs within church. And one big need was ministering to, to the widows within the body of Christ. And it's interesting how they pick these men. And they said, we want you to go out and pick, pick some men that are going to help minister to the needs that are in the body of Christ. And it's interesting that they, did, they didn't go with the qualifications of, okay, who has this master's degree in distribution of bread, right? What do they go to? This is what they say in Acts 6, 3. They said, therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, of good reputation. And look, look what the next thing they say. They must have a master's degree in food distribution, right? That's not what they say. What do they say? Full of the spirit and wisdom whom, whom we will appoint to this duty. It's interesting that they were looking for men who sought the Holy Spirit, who were hungry for God. That was the first qualification for someone that was going to lead in the church. Guys, we need men that are pursuing the heart of God, that are pursuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that says, my wisdom is not my wisdom. I need the wisdom of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit provides for us when we seek him. The fourth thing I want you to see is that a man that's chasing God's heart he models humility and forgiveness. He's a man that models humility and forgiveness, who is not boastful or, 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 or proud of himself or his accomplishments. I love Ephesians 4, 2 is my life verse. I love this verse in the New Testament. It says, be completely humble and gentle, Paul says. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Number five, a servant leader is one that is loving to those that he leads. He's loving to those who lead, to those who, lead, who, who he leads, who is under his care. Ephesians 5, uh, 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's what I want you to see. God's, God's plan for a husband and wife is this, that the husband would literally be the spiritual covering over his wife and that what would happen is the wife would come under that spiritual covering not 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 to not that the man would usurp his authority over her but that he would cover her and lead her spiritually in her life and i and i think one question that a lot of men have is pastor how do how do i lead my family spiritually because i believe this is the greatest responsibility you will ever have in your life. And that's leading your family spiritually. It's being the covering for your wife. It's that protection over her that, that you're allowing her to grow and encourage her and her walk with the Lord. Men, listen to me. Listen, the best things you can ever do for your wife. Yes, you need to provide for her, but that's not the best thing for her. Yes, be a good dad to your kids. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And we need to be. But the best thing you can do for your wife is to speak into her life and encourage her in her walk with the Lord. That she will blossom in her walk with God. Encourage that as much as you can. Be part of that as much as you can. So how do you lead your, how do you lead your, your, your family? Well, let, let me give you some things here. It's, let me just say this. 
It's more than just being present, which I think is, is vitally important. It's not just going to your kids' games. But what I mean by being present, it literally means being spiritually present in your family's life. Um, I can remember my dad, he worked trick work at Kodak. And um, so he didn't make all my games all the time. Um, all my, if whatever sport I was playing after school, whether it was tennis or, or soccer or whatever, he, he couldn't make all the games because he worked trick work. Sometimes he had to go in at four in the afternoon because of B trick, C trick. If you guys remember that you'd work all night. Um, and so he couldn't, he couldn't make all my games. But the one thing my dad was, he was present spiritually in my life. What do I mean by that, dads? That my dad would lay his hands on me and literally pray for me. Now, I didn't like it a lot, right? But he would encourage me in my walk with the Lord. He would pray for me. He was spiritually present in my life. Our family went to church. That was priority. Not our sports on Sunday. Church was priority. We very rarely Missed. This was something that that my I could see just and believe me, I didn't like it all the time. <laughs> but this was something that was priority. You know, my parents are still faithful to church today. They have to be because I'm I'm the pastor, so they don't have any excuses. But here's the thing: what it showed me is what was important. It wasn't listen, and it's more than just coming to church. Because how many of you can come to church and you can play the game at church but not live it at home? It's, it's being spiritually present in their life. It's speaking into your kid's heart. And, and what, what I appreciated about my parents um, was this, is that my parents encouraged my spiritual walk. Um, they, they wanted me to, to, to be involved in the youth group or whatever was going on. Even before I was a Christian, they would you know, hey, the, the youth group's going on a retreat and they're going to go skiing and they're going to do, would you like to, now, yeah, I love to ski. I could care less about the spiritual side of it because I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I like to go skiing. They would try to place me in that atmosphere where I could hear God's voice speak to me. And I can remember going to church. My, my, my parents said, listen, we're going to make a priority going to church. And they said, Barden, I, I know you don't want to go to church. I know this isn't your thing, but we're going to go as a family. We're going to go out to lunch after and we're going to get breakfast. So, we're gonna, they're going to try to make it as fun as possible. And they said, listen, if you want to get steak and eggs, you can get steak and eggs. So I'm like, hey, steak and eggs, church, I'll do it. I'll go to church for that, right? Sounds like a plan. All the kids are like, oh, man. Parents are like, thanks, Pastor Barden. I'm not going to take my kids out for steak and eggs after church. And, but the thing, here's the thing. Um, I may have been sitting in church, and I may not have wanted to be there, but I was listening I was hearing what the pastor was saying about Jesus. Now, maybe it didn't hit home right then and there, but for a year I sat there Sunday after Sunday and listened to the pastor talk about Jesus. And it did something in my heart eventually. Parents weren't legalistic about it. My parents literally loved me to Jesus. I can remember when I, I was 
I was on the high school swim team and and had a big meet, big sectional meet coming up. And um, I can remember going in my bedroom and finding this scripture on my pillow from Isaiah that says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And this was before I was a Christian. My mom was real sneaky about getting Jesus into my, into my life and sneaking scriptures in and stuff. And um, I can remember going up to, I remember going up to my event. I'm not a Christian, but that verse was in my mind. Barton, I'm going to be with you when you pass through the waters. I've never forgot that, ever. It wasn't force-fed. It wasn't jammed down my throat. My parents led me spiritually. Parents, lead your kids spiritually. Speak into their hearts and into their lives. I think one of the best things, husbands, that you could ever do for your wife is you pray for her. And here's the thing. It doesn't have to be some, you know, prayer revival, okay? Um, it's getting alone and just thanking God for her, asking what her needs are, what she's struggling with, and how can you help and how can you pray for that? That's how you lead spiritually. It's not, it's not whether or not you make the big decisions or you solve all the problems, because that, that's a guy problem, because when we hear a problem, we just want to solve it, right? And we're not even listening to what the need is of our wife and what her spiritual needs are and what she's battling with. And it's getting alone and it's praying and just speaking Jesus into her life by praying for her. That's the most powerful thing you could ever do as a couple. Men, take the role. Take the role spiritually. See, for many of us, we leave the role spiritually up to our, our wives. Well, they'll read the Bible to them. They'll pray with our kids. They'll, no, don't, don't do that. Take the role spiritually in your home. You be the one that leads that way. You be the one that say, you know what? We're going to church. Don't, don't, it's not, don't make it a Saturday night. How do we, let's flip a coin. How do we feel? Is it going to rain tomorrow? What's going on? Are we, you know, you make say, no. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Guys, that's your role. That's your mantle. That's what Christ has called you to do. Don't cower on it. Don't justify it. Don't back off on it. You take it and you run with it. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage right now and your, your wife may take a little more time to catch up to you, but you lead the way anyways. So this is what I have to do. We've got to change. This is what God's called us to do. So here's the last thing. And this is the hardest one, I believe, for, for most men. And, and I believe a servant leader, a man of God, is one that's ready to admit his failures and areas where he needs growth. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the hardest one to embrace 
This is where you humble yourself enough to ask the Lord, I need help. Now, when you get real raw before the Lord and very vulnerable before the Lord, this is where you need to go with this, guys. Listen to me. And this is going to be tough. It's not easy. This, is, this can hurt. And this is where you ask your spouse, what are things that you see in my life that are inconsistent with my walk with Christ? Now, before all you wives get all excited about this and whip out your laundry list of all the things they need to do, right? It's not what I'm talking about, okay? I, believe me, I know we all got our honey-do lists, okay? That's not, you know, you don't do this, you don't take out the garbage, you need to pick up your underwear, you need to pick up your socks, put the, put the uh, toilet seat down. We all know, okay, we all got it, thank you. By the way, we're never going to change. But anyways, just, just thought I'd throw that out there, okay? What, what, what am I talking about? I am talking about those things that are very inconsistent, those things that are hurting the marriage, those things that are hurting you from progressing forward in the Lord. When your kids get a little older, you can ask your kids, ouch, that hurts, but you can ask your kids, what are things that you see are inconsistent in my life that, that don't line up with my walk with the Lord? This is where you get raw. This is where you get open. Here's what I want you to know, men. As much as it might sting now, it will save your life in the long run. It will save your marriage in the long run. When you're able to admit your failures and areas where you need growth in your walk with the Lord, that's what you take as a leader and you take those things. And it's not to beat yourself up. It's not to condemn you. It's not to make yourself feel more guilty. It's a way to say, Christ, I need you. And I have to admit these things because I want my marriage to be better. I want my spiritual life to be stronger. And if I'm not open to these things, how many men, how many of you know that we all have blinders in our lives? myself included. There are things where we don't make ourselves accountable to others that we begin to justify our actions and we begin to go down a very dangerous road that can lead to destruction in your marriage because men can be very prideful at times and don't want to admit their weaknesses. And so what we tend to do is we get, we get isolated in ourselves. We don't open ourselves up to other men or accountability. And so we isolate ourselves. And meanwhile, our wives see these inconsistencies, but we don't see them and we hide behind them actually until it's too late. I've been reading a book lately and this book has just, just been kicking my rear end. That's all I can say. It's a book called Dangerous Calling. It's by Dr. Paul Tripp. He's a pastor, writer, has written children's book, great author. Basically what he did was he wrote this book in response to a very difficult time in his life, he was a man that was dealing with anger and his wife saw it all the time and she patiently prayed for him, patiently prayed for, for, for him. And he shares about how blind he was of his own sin and how his wife lovingly loved him through it and how God graciously healed him. And basically what he does is he writes to pastors to say, pastors, guard your heart in all areas because this was such a dangerous place that I was in and I was so blind by it that I didn't see it and I justified it by having a growing church and a successful ministry and I thought I was this, that and the other but, but I didn't see it for myself and my wife saw it, saw it all along until the Holy Spirit did a work on my heart and I want to read it to you because and anger may not be the thing that you're dealing with but what he dealt with I believe has a common thread for all of us if we're not careful and I just want to read to you what he said and I'm praying that this speaks to your heart men that you will get your private world in order. Let me read this to you. 
Here's chapter one. And when I read chapter one in these first verses, it was like a fan was blown in my face because it was so true. Chapter one, headed for disaster. He says, I was a very angry man. The problem was that I didn't know I was an angry man. I thought that no one had more, had a more accurate view of me than I did. And I simply didn't see myself as angry. I, I didn't think I was perfect. And yes, I knew I needed others in my life, but I lived as though I didn't. Luella, my dear wife, was very faithful. And over a long period of time in bringing my anger to me, she did it with a combination of firmness and grace. She never yelled at me. She never called me names. She never called me out in front of our children. And again and again, she let me know that my anger was neither justified nor acceptable. And I'd look back and marvel at the character she showed during those very difficult days. I found out later that Luella had already been putting together her escape plan. No, she wasn't planning to divorce me. She just knew that the cycle of anger needed to be broken so that we could be reconciled and live in the kind of relationship that God had designed marriage to be. When, when Luella would approach me with yet another instance of this anger, I would always do the same thing. I would wrap my robes of righteousness around me, activate my inner lawyer, lawyer and remind her once again of what a great husband she had. I would go through all my well-rehearsed, rather long list of all the things I did for her, all the ways I made her life easier. I'm a domestic guy. I don't mind doing things around the house. I love to cook. And so I had a lot of things I could point to that that assured me that I was not the guy she was saying I was and that I hoped would convince her that she was wrong as well. But Luella was not convinced. She seemed more and more convinced that she was right and that change had to take place. And I wanted her to leave me alone, but she wouldn't. And frankly, that made me angry. And ways that scare me now, as I look back then, I was a man headed for disaster. I was in the middle of destroying my marriage and my ministry, and I didn't have a clue. There was this huge disconnect between my private persona and my public ministry life. The irritable and impatient man at home was a very different guy, the gracious and patient pastor of our congregation who, who they saw in public ministry and worship settings where they encountered me the most. I was increasingly comfortable with things that would have haunted and convicted me. I was okay with things as they were and I felt little need for change and I just didn't see the spiritual schizophrenia that my personal ministry life had become. Things would not stay the same if for no other reason than that I was and am a son of a relentless redeemer who will not forsake the work of his hand until that work is complete. Little did I know that he would expose my heart in a powerful moment of rescuing grace. I was blind and positively hardening and happily going about the work of a growing local church and Christian school. One day, Paul and his brother were driving to a, a conference. 
And his brother just spoke into his heart. And he, he says in the book, it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit just exposed what I was going through. Listen, guys. It may not be anger for you, but it may be something else that you put all your attention to and you're not even seeing it. And the Holy Spirit is just pounding at your heart that things have to change. I like what John Wesley said. He was one of the founders of the Methodist movement. He says this, They that are bound for heaven must be willing to swim against the stream and must do, not as most do, but as the best do. His mom wrote this, Susanna Wesley, she had 19 children. God bless her. This is what she said. Susanna Wesley said this. She says, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, Whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. We've got to guard our hearts above all things, man. We've got so many things speaking to us in this world, vying for our attention, telling us what's right, telling us the way we need to go. My prayer for you is that you would be a man that would seek after God's heart. I'm not telling you that you're going to be a perfect father, perfect husband, perfect dad, perfect single guy. That's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you is we do have a perfect Savior who says, I want you to chase after me and not these other things that are going to leave you shipwrecked, these other things that are going to leave you feeling empty, and I know for men, our identity is in our things and our success and, 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 and we put so much stock in those things. But I want to be the guy that gets to the end of my life like Joshua, 110 years old, that still says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Guys, let's start running the race with, with everything we got. So what I want to do, I want to pray for you today. And I believe the success of the body of Christ really rests in how we lead men. Because it starts with our families and it starts with our marriage. And I believe that a healthy marriage, a healthy personal life with the Lord overflows into our church life. And causes us to be a healthy church because we put things in the right order. So let's recalibrate. Let's, let's put things in the right order. And listen, I hope you guys know that I love you. And, and I, I just felt so impressed this week. Because I'm not only speaking it to you, I'm speaking it to myself. Because I'm right there in the trenches with you. I just think we need to step it up. So let's step it up. However those conversations happen in your life, whether or not you've got to go to your wife and apologize and say, honey, I've not been leading the way I should. Please forgive me. 
help me. I want to lead. I want to do what God has called me to do. Maybe it's in your personal life where you say, God, I've got to get these things in order in my life. I want to, I want to chase after you. Whatever you need to do in those things to make those right, do those things. Take this word. Let God place it in your heart and begin to move forward in the way God wants you to move forward. Um, he cares for you. He loves you. God wants you to be successful in him and live the life that he's called you to live. There's no other place than to be in God's will. There's no other happier place, joyful place than to be there. And you know what happens? Here's what happens. Are you ready? Here's what happens. When you're there, everything else becomes better. The fishing becomes better. The golf game becomes better. The hunting becomes a lot better. Why? Because they're put in their proper place. Amen? Amen? Men, amen, men, right? Amen. So I want to pray for you, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to close in prayer today and in song, and I want you to stand today. And men, this is what I'm going to call you to. I want you men to come forward today, and um, I want to pray for you, and uh, ask God just to touch your life. So I want you men just to come on down. Let's stand in the front here, and I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask my dad to come. I'm going to have my dad pray over you men today. Listen. I'm going to tell you something about my dad. Now, we didn't always grow up in a Christian family, but here's the difference about my dad. It was, it was probably in my seventh or eighth grade year that my dad came to the Lord from some guy at Kodak that led my dad to the Lord. My dad saw a change in this guy's life. My dad says, what do you got? What's changed? He goes, I, I came to Christ. My dad goes, well, I want what you have. And that guy right there in Kodak prayed for my dad. You know, he began to lead our family spiritually at that point. And so it, not just lead it, but live it. You guys can do the same thing. You guys can do the exact same thing thing. Begin to live it in your life. Amen. And I just want my dad to pray for you and that you will live that out in your heart, that God would encourage you, that he would, the Holy Spirit would give you the boldness to, to live that out each and every day in your relationships, in your marriage relationship, with your relationship with your kids, uh, your work relationships, that you would begin to live that out in your everyday life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Dear Father, it's, uh, Thank it's you. not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time commitment. It's not a one-time change. It's constant. Yes. It's every day. It's every hour. Your feelings, your emotions, your, the things that happen to you, the work, the, the children, the things around you can change, but you've got to keep vigilant. Yes. It's so hard sometimes. And even myself, he makes me... My son makes me out to be so perfect, but I'm not. I'm not. I, I have, to, you know, at times when Peggy and I don't see eye to eye and we, we, you know, kind of fuss to each other. But, you know, in the end, I do. I do pray for her every single day. Thank you, Lord. Every morning I pray for her. I'm the first one up, and I pray for her. Thank you, Lord. 
And God, without that, I have nothing. And when Barden said, as for me and my family, we will we will praise the Lord. Yes. We will accept the Lord. We will do everything we can. And we had that written on our wall in our kitchen. I remember it. A gentleman at church used to make these plaques, and they said, what would be your favorite plaque? And I said, I, don't know, I love that one. Thank you. And we try to live by that. It's not easy. It's not something that comes easy. It's something you have to work at. But you can only do it when you ask Christ to help you. Yes, God. So this morning I pray, Father, for all the men here today, that when they get up in the morning, when they start their day, when they go through their day, always remember, take Christ with you. Have him right by your side every second, every minute. And, Father, I just pray that they remember him. Yes, God, touch his bed. Thank you, Lord. Be good to your family. Be good to your wife. Be good to your children. And, Lord, and thank you, men, the only way you can do that is through Jesus Christ. Yes, thank you, God. So, God, be with these men. Yes. Teach them. Have them come to you. Have them be with you. He loves you so much, and he doesn't ask you to do anything. His grace is sufficient for you. All you need to do is accept him, and he will help you in all the areas you need. Just ask him. And I pray this for these men in Jesus' name, that they can be the men of their household. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Dad. Amen. All right. This is my favorite part because I love to hear men sing. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to close in the song. I'm going to step down with you on the floor there and sing with you guys. So, guys, let's just belt this out. Let's sing it under the Lord. Just a great song to close with as the worship team leads us. God bless you. Amen.